your hosts, Keith Barney. Diglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Oh, the practice. One small step for man. Podcast. Yeah, I kind of blew that one. Yeah, I blew it. I blew it. <laughs> All right, I'll go first. You go first next week. Uh, well, you shouldn't be the only one in misery. <laughs> yeah, so this is the first time we didn't actually plan out what we were going to say at the beginning there. And so uh, I, 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 I remembered my last name this time and yeah. I, I felt like i really nailed the uh remembering my name but then like the the improv was like done it was it was out of it to use a sports ball metaphor you uh you dropped the ball baby i did i did indeed well look it's uh if uh we're recording this on the day that the daylight savings time returns or goes away or whichever one it is which i'm really happy about because i like the sun and i don't yeah give myself. me sun give me sun yeah I, on, on the other hand when I do uh, have to wake up early, it it just ruins my life. That's fair. So not not only did I did we have like one hour less, I had to wake up for a thing on a Sunday morning, which is frankly rude. Keith, so we are on episode five, and I wanted to let you know. Now, granted, this type of podcast, my expectation is that if anyone listens to it, it'll be well after we've recorded them. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but we are we are approaching seventy five unique plays of the podcast and only 62 of them are you <laughs> I logging in with different computers <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna i'm gonna admit i did try to give us a rating on apple podcasts <laughs> but it wouldn't let me because it's my podcast <laughs> oh that's funny yeah well i wrote <laughs> i wrote one for my wife Oh, you did? So, yeah, we definitely can't read it online. <laughs> read it on because I wrote it. No, we have to. It's the rule. We did not make any sort of, uh, you know, specificity to it. We said if there are any reviews. Look, we we may not have a lot of rules, but I'd like to hold on to some shred of dignity. Oh, you're going to start with dignity now. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what we should do right now because we did we forgot to do it to the very end of last episode is tell people how they can reach us. Absolutely. Well, there are now a few different ways. First, easiest is email. Outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Send today, send right away. You can also find us on our new blog, Keith. Tell us all about it. Oh, yeah. I, I start up a new blog, um, mainly to feature our, uh, our, our new segment that we will uh, we'll, we'll talk about at some point during the episode. Uh, but uh, you can go to outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. <coughs> We're gonna uh, fix that. <coughs> we, well, look, I, I I needed I need to sort of get into the Google spiders, so I just decided to use all the Google stuff. Yeah, that's fair. So that the uh, the world <coughs> has any idea that we are you dying? I am, but I'm gonna edit that out. Don't worry. <coughs> <coughs> no, I'm not. No, you're. 
<laughs> Sounds like you're dying. You're down in... You know, where are you right now? I am Kissing Me, Florida. I wanted to tell you, though, uh, we're in a really nice Airbnb right now. But last night, we were in a place in... <clears throat> uh, God, I cannot remember. Some other place in Florida. They all kind of run together for me. Anyway, it was this one-star Roach Motel. And I Googled it real quick. And... Yeah. Literally two days prior, there was a chainsaw murder, an actual chainsaw murder that took place in the hotel we were staying. And so we were like, we out. Wait, for reals? For real. No joke. There was a chainsaw murder. And so our boss was like, hey, guys, it's only one night. And we're like, uh, chainsaw murder. Oh, my God. If there's ever a get out of jail free card, that's it. I was like, I'll find oh. an Airbnb. Send me the link to that article and I'll post it on the blog. Because okay. I'll send it right now. Amazing. Absolutely yeah. insane. And I, you know, I was going to tell the story from our uh, our time in the Bruton Motor Lodge on tour. Oh my god, I remember that. But I, I I mean, I thought it was a good story because somebody came and like helpfully had warmed up the toilet for for one of our cast members. Uh, But that's nothing on a chainsaw murder. No, I'm sending it to you right now. It's really, it's really insane. That's terrifying. Anyway, anyway, what else we got going on? On that cheery thought. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I we're I, I'm excited. We're at episode five. Like we're we have now like reached the point where what do we have? Almost uh, eight hours, a full work day of uh, of podcast nonsense. To uh, I know the rest of the guys brain. were like, we're going to Hooter, Hooters tonight, and I said, hey, you know what? Can't do it. I got I have a commitment. I have never once been to a Hooters, although. <laughs> It does seem to be like like the mascot of Florida. Yeah, it's like Florida man goes to Hooters, murders person with a chainsaw, then like sleeps with an alligator. The best part of that, the whole um, article about the chainsaw murder, is that um, when they they got a quote from the guy who did the murder, and he's like, "I just saw her through the bushes and decided I'm going to end her life." That that is like the most chilling. It's. I mean, I'm making light right now, but now that I'm recounting the story, I'm like, man, that's really screwed up. Yeah, that's really chilling and horrible, and uh, it seems like it should be an episode. Yeah, you're you right. Know, it, look, there there are some episodes of The Practice that I haven't seen, so there's a chance. There's a chance there's a uh, a chainsaw murder in Kissimmee, Florida. Oh, I'm uh, sure there's something. I'm sure there's something. Oh, yeah. Well, that you know, one of the things that I love about this show is that they really do stretch themselves to find some interesting cases and murders and such, uh, especially later in the series. So look out. Now we're at the penultimate episode of the season. However, this is the first time we've had a concurrent uh, sequential naming convention. So we're finally on episode five, part five. So then last week was part four. So I feel like we're finding our groove here. Yeah, I mean, they've they have now sort of figured it out. But boy, did they go off the rails for a while. Oh yeah, because episode two was part one. Episode, you know, I, I think that's why episode three has like a title, trial and error, because they just wanted us to like stop counting for a second and just hope that nobody would notice. Fair, fair. Because you know, frankly, this was all aired before the days of IMDb, so who would know? Unless you were like literally writing down episode titles when it flashed on the screen. So, so. Where, what else? Where are we go? Let's get let's get this thing moving. I want to get into the episode. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we are. Talking about, uh, out of practice, no, we're talking about The Practice, Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Part 5, which aired on April 1st, 1997. Are you joking? So, <laughs> I see what I did there? 
I did it! Oh, man. No, I just... Comedian. I, Mike and Eglio, comedian. That was so bad, we're gonna leave it on to the end of the sound cue. Wow. Which runs about 20 minutes. Somebody's so. getting a royalty on that cricket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Alright, I gave up. Uh, so, you know what it's time for? This Day in the Basement. This Day in the Basement, April 1st, 1997. What were you doing? Well, I have... There's really two. Can I do two? Uh, well, you know, it's a it's a free podcast for no one for no reason. I think... <laughs> Okay, well, the first is, <laughs> well, it's a two-part day, okay? During the day of April 1st, 1997, uh, and you're probably going to share in this, Keith, April 1st okay. in 97 was a big, they called it the April Fool's Blizzard. It was a huge oh. blizzard dumped a crap ton of snow and a lot of ice. It was like an ice blizzard. And I'll never remember, I'll never forget because we went over to my buddy Paul's house. We were going to sled down his, he, we always went to his house to do our sledding, which is probably nowhere near the kind of sledding you did in Vermont. However, no. did our, we did our best. And it turned out it was really painful because it was so frozen that individual blades of grass were frozen. And so the first time we tried to go down and sled, it was like a painful experience. So we ended up, uh, we had off school and we just, we hung out. Um, and that evening, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with you. So we've, we've discussed our nerddom. I've been uh, an a avid viewer also of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. And I guess I wanted to give my condolences straight out. I think Alex Trebek is like the Cronkite of our time, just a an assertive, authoritative Certainly. voice every night. And um, they uh, I remember this vividly, watching this that night. They pulled a switcheroo on us for Jeopardy, and I'm going to play you uh, what happened now. Hit me. We're going to get the whole intro. Wait for it. Oh, my God. Paul Roeder. Oh, man. He was my favorite. I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, did Pat actually uh, do the whole episode? Pat hosted the whole episode. And then uh, Alex Trebek hosted the the whole of Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, oh, that was that was that that April first, that nineteen ninety seven. Wow, man, they were really going for it April first. So that's what uh, that's what I was up to that day, Keith. What was happening hundreds of miles to my north? Well, interestingly, uh, there was uh, we didn't get that storm, and I know that because I read the paper uh, that day. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much we talk about weather from 20 years We do, ago. we do. I can't do my weather segment now because I just ruined it. Ha! Oh, thank you. I, think I just gave us an extra star. Ooh. I, I'm telling you, I'm going up to two. Uh, so, in in the paper, this is sort of like, uh, we'll cannibalize the other segment as well, but the, uh, the front of the paper says, snow and mud offer springtime challenges, and it had a picture of a school bus fighting through the mud. And uh, let me tell you, when you live in Vermont, in the way out in the boonies that much, we grew up on a dirt road. And so, which is the real thing, people, um, that would get so muddy at that point, you would get your car stuck in the mud in the middle of the road. 
And I had that happen um, actually in the 87 Plymouth Voyager I mentioned Ooh, earlier. Oopty. That I was I was driving home. It was late, maybe like 11 o'clock. And what happens with the mud in, in a dirt road like that, you have these big, long ruts that if you your wheel sort of falls into it, you can't get out. So you sort of go wherever the rut goes. And, and especially, you know, at this point, sometimes it might be frozen. Sometimes it might not be frozen. But I was going around another car um, that had been stuck in the mud and then became stuck in the mud myself so bad that the mud actually went up over the top of the tire and was then subsequently stuck and realized that the not only was I stuck, but I had now fully blocked the road because oh, no. now the two cars were blocked and on either side of the road are these huge ditches that are, you know, you literally just go in there and you're done. So we had to call the town and say like, just so you know, uh, Poker Hill road doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> like it is now impassable. Uh, but it was, it was really something. And of course I didn't have a cell phone. So I had to walk in the mud in the middle of the night and knocked on the door of my social studies teacher who happened to live on the road. And so like, can I call my folks? I'm stuck in the mud. It dawns on me that that is a story an 87-year-old man would tell. <laughs> it was complete with, in my day, we didn't have cell phones, so I had to walk six miles to my social studies teacher's house to ask for him to to radio the town to tell them that Poker Hill Road is closed. <laughs> yeah, well, Poker Hill Road, which at that point had only been called Poker Hill Road for about 10 years, because previous to that, it didn't even have a name. It was just RR1, Rural Route 1. <laughs> so our address wasn't, we didn't have, my road didn't even have a name. I was so far out in the So the Google the automated cars aren't getting to your place. <laughs> uh, no, no, they are definitely not. Uh, so that's uh, what was going on in my basement or in the mud in uh, uh, April 1st, 1997. So uh, what else was going on? On that day in the world. Well, I mean, I can't imagine that uh, a Jim Carrey movie could still be topping the charts uh, after three <laughs> weeks. But am I am I wrong in assuming that it might have been? Uh, it was indeed. Liar, liar. Pulled in the third week at number one, pulling in eighteen point two million dollars, uh, which is really impressive for like it's a perfectly good movie but i don't know if it's a number one for three uh three weeks kind of a movie no all i can remember is that one trailer of that kid like the kid on the stand at the uh, talking like cross-examining him or something like that yeah 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 I, god i barely remember that didn't something happen with uh, timothy mcveigh too this around now uh it was indeed that was the other story on the Berlin free press the mcveigh trial began uh, oh, you have that, that right here on the on the. I actually remembered that. I did not read that in the show notes. Although there's no way to prove that that's true. Yeah, how would you possibly have remembered that? I I I challenge you, sir. Well, I uh, I remember things. I don't know what to tell you. It's it's. Uh, I recall recalling it. <laughs> Amazing. Well, do you recall <laughs> what was the uh, the top song this week? Also what? holding steady for. Uh, oh yeah, bring it, bring it, bring the beat. Weeks? Just drop the beat. Puff Daddy, cleaning up. It was a really interesting, like, year in uh, in number one hits, because I, I looked ahead a, a bit, and it really is all over the map. Yeah, the, well, the 90s were sort of all over the map, weren't they? Yeah, they, they really were. It's funny, because uh, when we were in the 90s, I remember thinking, 
man, we don't really have an identity. The 80s is such an iconic identity. The 70s is such an iconic identity. We don't really have anything in the 90s. But now looking back, it's pretty iconic. It for being is. all over the goddamn place. Well, and I, I think that's the thing. It, it, you know, the 80s, you had, like, horrible hair and clothes and, you know, like, Reagan ruining the world. And in the 70s, you know, the 60s were very obvious. But the 90s, we sort of started with, like, grunge and Nirvana and, like, this very, like, down-to-earth sort of skatery kind of vibe and then finished with, like, Britney Spears. Yeah. We really we really traveled a distance. Really took a journey. Uh, but uh, there it is. And as as did this show. So uh, I think it's time. Yeah. Time time to finally talk about the damn episode. Oh, wait. You forgot. We forgot objections, man. I have an appeal on an objection. Oh, okay. Hold on. <laughs> Holding. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's not working. It's not working. Oh, TikTok, God. Is... TikTok. These people have legit work to get to. <laughs> No, they don't. No, they're just stuck in traffic, and they're like, damn, this is boring as hell. Objection! There it is. Objection! That was, that was me trying to be a classy podcaster by fading out Puff Daddy, yeah. but then ended up turning the phone all the way down, So and then making it a much worse. Objection! So first, the first objection is me screwing up the sound cue. All right. Do you know what I object to? Please, tell me. Staying at a hotel where a chainsaw murder... Has taken place. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes, that is a valid objection. I don't know if it's a valid objection on our podcast. Uh, well, because then I have one other. Okay. Last week we sung the praises. The praises. What the, the praises? Yeah. Last week I we got s- my praises off. We in the sung 90s the too. praises of my wife uh, in her off-Broadway turn, um, and I object yes, to that. And you her did opening. Not, and you did not take the time. To yes. waste on our podcast to sing the praises mm-hmm. of your wife, so I am now creating space for you to do so. Well, on I this was week's saving it for today because she opened two nights ago. I, she opened on Thursday. When See, were you going to bring it up? The end of the episode. I'm giving you an option now to do it. Okay. Well, there. I was going to work it in naturally. Well, I'm working yes. it in organically. Oh, fine, fine. Yes. So my uh, so your wife opened up the revival of Fiddler in Yiddish last week, and this week. My wife uh, opened up Chick Flick the Musical at the West Side Theater. Get your tickets now, uh, which was fun. And she's actually going on for the first time tomorrow night. Keith, I'm going to say something that might be controversial. Yes. I was looking at the opening night photos, or the uh-huh. I guess or the the uh, I guess it was last night or the night before, or whatnot. Uh, it was Thursday night, so okay. you probably saw it on Friday. Yeah. Um, your wife was hot. I I I know. I'm just saying I, it. I mean, no, I I love Jill, res, all respect, but she's looking hot, smoking in those photos. Yeah, well, I, I let me tell you, I I took them, I took some of them. So, <laughs> and uh, to I, counterpoint, I there. to I, counterpoint that, uh, our hot wives are on are off probably. What what are we doing? I'm actually, I it's it's too bad you can't see what I'm wearing right now. It looks like I'm, a reindeer. It is a reindeer. Uh, I'm gonna stand up so you get the full effect. So, uh. No, you dare. I saw oh, you screenshot I did. That. I sure did. Oh, I will. <laughs> no fucking way. So, yeah. <laughs> it's Sunday. I had to go out and do stuff. I came back. want to be comfortable. And the most comfortable outfit I have is my Christmas uh, jammies that my mother-in-law bought the whole family. So, I'm sitting here in uh, March doing a podcast in my Christmas jammies. So I think that should say sort of where we're at in the world well, compared to our wives. Right, but do they have 
36 cents. <laughs> 36. Uh, in ad revenue? But, uh, again, not 36. Uh, he had to cut, cut it in half because we're splitting that. Oh, yeah, so I can't do the math. That's bad. <laughs> 15, 16, 18 cents. Yo. There it is. Don't spend it all at once. Okay, okay, oh. here we go. Here we go. Finally, let's talk about the damn episode. Uh, so this, again, uh, for the 15th time, is The Practice Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Part 5, written by David E. Kelly for the fifth time but last time of the season. Ooh. He doesn't write the season finale? He does not write the season finale, which is really interesting, uh, but also entirely understandable, because I think I'd be a little burned out by now, having written five straight episodes and show running like 15 other shows. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the show was directed by Michael Schultz, uh, who did uh, a whole bunch of other TV stuff. Let me see if this... He's still working. Did, had, did uh, six episodes of Blackish, eight episodes of Arrow. Um, did a whole bunch of stuff. He's been... Uh, did Chicago Hope, bunch of picket fences. So definitely a David E. Kelly kind of a guy. Yeah, he's in the uh, the Inner Sanctum. In the... Yes. Very, uh, very reliable... Dude directing stuff. Um, the Last Dragon he directed? I don't know that. Cooley High in 1975? I don't know what that is either. But uh, but there it is. Uh, directed episode 5, Michael Schultz. So, I think... Uh, now, did you watch it, or are, we, or are we doing it live again? Oh, I'm going live, baby. Okay, right, so this, this is going to be a full-on... Uh, uh, I think it's a thing. All right, okay, so... so I'll have to do you a uh, a new cut for uh, the cut of Bill O'Reilly. Fuck it! We'll do it live! We're doing it! We'll fix it in post! We'll do it live! <laughs> I wish I had that queued up. Yeah, we, we should. Hold <laughs> up. All right, so... Uh, so uh, let's, start this, let's start this episode, shall so, we? So, yeah, The Practice, Season 1, Episode 5, Part 5. Was there no teaser? Uh, there was a there was a previously on, but I, I feel like uh, we were gonna skip it. But what? I mean, not the recap, but but this just start with the credits. Yeah. Interesting. I don't remember the uh, the the gunshot sound effects in the in this last time. That is it for us. That means. <laughs> Wait, I, I got love it. You so much. Hit All right, it. go. Oh, hold on. That that's a that's a spoof one. All right, never mind. Never mind. Boo. Oh my god, we're doing such a good podcast. I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah, you were like dying of diphtheria for like <laughs> 10 minutes. I know. I'm trying so hard not to cough. <laughs> oh, Eugene, bringing the pain. He's gonna tell him not to say anything. Okay, Steven, trial is set for tomorrow. Should be quick. They put up the victim and the arresting cop. That's it. Figure one or two days, unless you could think anybody could touch the buff for you. Questions? Just one. Who are you? Aren't you Steven Fernald? Oh, hanging up on him. So Eugene is in a prison thinking he's talking to his client. Oh. Oh, interesting little... Okay, Steven? Yeah. Trial set for tomorrow should be fast. They're putting up the victim and the officer. Figure one to two days. 
questions. It's an interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting little beat there because. Make me an offer. I, I think it says You're a married. lot about. Steve you know, the effort case. you put in in the public defense situation here, was night, I get which is not that good. Uh-huh, yeah, and that's the, like, third or fourth time Eugene's had a, had a, and I have had a moment where he's kind of, they're all the same type of, you know, like his, that weird beat in the holding cell that one time. Two suspended, yeah. We plead guilty. All right, hold so on, you're not paying attention, Dave. you got to pause it when we talk. Sorry, man. You're going to do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! Oh, God, it's coming. <laughs> I killed you. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll tell you what. Now I shouldn't do this. I mean, I could lose my job, but uh 100 bucks. Sorry? 100 bucks says you lose. Oh. You want to bet on it? Now you took this court appointed, right? Mm-hmm. It means your fee tops at 700. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just giving you the chance to make 8. Of course, if you don't really think that you can win this case, I understand. I, I, I'm in. Mm-hmm. With the rider. It's double if the jury takes less than an hour to deliberate. It's very sexual. You got it. Okay. Yeah, there's definitely a flirt here, but hold, just like, hold the phone. All right, I object to this. I mean, it's incredible. They're betting on a case. They're like literally betting on a case that he has so little interest in because he's been a, he's a court appointed public defender here that he's he doesn't even know who the guy looks like or anything about the case it's a really it's it's a really interesting color for eugene here and i it, i really it makes me wonder like is that normal does a does a real lawyer here say like that's ridiculous this would never be the case or is this like a real this has happened all the time and if so i think that's pretty egregious yeah you know it's funny it- this is pre when TV kind of, I, I guess it started sort of with the Shield when they started presenting the antihero. This is yeah. sort of shades of that early on. Of course, I'm sure Eugene doesn't become a, a villain lawyer, but uh, it, it's an interesting, like you said, shade of gray that we're seeing. Although completely egregious, I would agree with you. I don't understand. You're meeting him for both lunch and dinner. The lunch is to get the meeting. Oh, over. we're back to this. The date is in the evening, assuming. You know, we gotta find out who loves Mame so much. You I would have preferred to just keep the phone relationship going for another month, or you know, year. Becca, are they gonna make out? My makeup. Of course. No, they're just in a four by three. They gotta get close. All right, what's in that fishbowl? Dropped in murder too, but no go on manslaughter. Are we going back? Let's go back. Which means what? It's a fishbowl. Is the fishbowl? The truth is, probably is can- a huge, candy, right? enormous fishbowl. Yeah, but it looks like it's or, a bunch you know, of like mulch. Like, what? Just like have it? You were complaining that they're eating too much junk food, so now they just filled the fishbowl with mulch. Yeah, it's candy. See? Man. Is it candy? They're like grandma candies, though. It's just so. <laughs> well, I love it. I'm old too, but no go on manslaughter. Which means what? You're going to jail. Trial. No point in copying to second degree. My advice, temporary insanity. I th- Whoa, so this is the guy who got who killed the guy who got off on temporary insanity for killing his daughter. That's right. And now Bobby so wants are- to use temporary insanity. That's right. And the last thing that happened also was his rabbi was arrested for saying it was okay that he murdered the guy. I think the jury will jump at it. 
Temporary insanity. The Ronald Martin defense. Your daughter was murdered. The pressure yeah. of the trial topped off with an acquittal. You snapped. You're asking no. me to lie, Bobby. Excuse me? No. I will not use the Ronald Martin defense. I knew what I was doing. I won't pretend otherwise. Gerald. No. You know, Keith, I find as an actor, I always have a problem making it work in a script when there's a line where you say something to somebody and then the person replies, what'd you say? When you just said it to me, I heard you. <laughs> because that's you... just, that doesn't happen in real speech, I feel like. Wait, what'd you say? <laughs> Dr. Braun, you have no other choice. Look at you. You're advising me to lie, and you sit there polaxed at my hesitation. Is this Ladies and gentlemen, today's word, polaxed. Polaxed? <laughs> that sounds offensive in so many ways, but... Uh... <laughs> hey, hey, so my wife is a polaxed. Mine too. <laughs> by a client who opts for the truth. Let's fix the system next Save week. Save your objections, now, you kids. You have a temporary insanity defense. I'm a Polax in law. Yeah. Extended prison term. I'm married to one. I'm allowed to say phone, it. Maybe it's I'm surprised. A person who shot somebody in the head could be... In this weird show we do, everybody has like a nickname. It's like a it's like a spoof. It's like Jersey Boys meets the Jersey Shore. It's this really weird, sticky thing. Anyway. Oh, no. Everybody has to say their like nickname. Like this guy. And this guy's name is... I'm Chainsaw McGee. He changes it all the time. Anyway, last night in front of all these people, he goes... My name's Joe Sobre Sobre, and you can call me the Skinny Guinea. And I just lost it. I was like, "Can you? Oh, can you say that? Is that a thing you can say?" Anyway, I don't think so. I'm, Ita yeah. I'm Italian. I can say it. No objections. Such a stickler for principle. <laughs> That's not fair. How dare you, Mrs. Braun? It is not my function as a lawyer to coddle either one of you. This is a murder trial. It'll get rough. If you want comfort, go to your rabbi. Though, I can't. I He's in prison. That's partly what got you in this trouble to begin with. Boom. Burn. We should go with the rabbi. We need a we need a sound cue for like wicked burns. A sick burn. Yeah. And this one. What does that mean? Well, stand right up in court and say what Daniel said on the TV show. It's more right for Ronald Martin to be dead than free. We can't do that. Of course we can. Uh, just wing to the jury. Look at those flowers. Say, uh, you know he did it. Let him go anyway. Well, he got him from the guy yeah, loves Maine. Or she got him from the guy loves Maine. Ethically, a lawyer can't argue it. Our client shot off a guy's head. We're gonna get caught up on ethics. Put it right to that jury. Ronald Martin got what was coming to him. Huh? What if it was your daughter? Who wouldn't pull that trigger? This, this desaturation is grating on me a little bit. Yeah, I it. I think it's a they're desaturated, but b I think it's also just the low resolution of yeah you're right because it you know basically I I'm assuming that if it was done like Star Trek, uh, it was shot on film and then they edited it on uh, on videotape, so it, you already lost a generation there, and then who knows how old the tape was that they converted here, uh, so it's it's probably lost a fair amount of its saturation. Oh, not guilty. That was interesting. Not guilty. Boom. Cancel whatever I got tomorrow, Beck. I'm going to trial. Unfernald. Deal, you won't deal. She'll bet, though. I got a hundred bucks saying I win. Podiatrist? He's always sniffing something. Yeah, sniffing. Bet Unfernald, the armed robber? The very one. Well, they have an eyewitness. Why is he such a D-bag officer? Eyewitness, Lindsay. Tell her, Bobby. Oh, he wasn't the pilot, this too, remember? Perfect. When he was taunting the uh, yeah, people in jail? You want in on the action? Hundred bucks to you. Don't do it. I handled the arraignment on this case. I read the incident report. He can't win this. Lindsay, don't bet him. Uh -huh. Cha-ching! 
open. <laughs> no, see, you I'm telling you, this, case, and if you this is an ethically be worth the money iffy. Come on, Jimmy. This is the Pete, the Pete Rose of the practice. <laughs> <laughs> totally Pete Rose. Which frankly, if you're gonna like get in trouble with Your somebody betting on stuff, it should be the lawyer betting on a case. Yeah, absolutely. Not guilty by reason of insanity. No, Your Honor, straight. Welcome back, guilty. Philip Baker Hall. Yeah. Do you plan to challenge the constitutionality of the confession? No, Your Honor. Clear not guilty is so entered. Uh, I'll see counsel in chambers. I really like his well, office. My client. Wow, that was the first white shot we've seen in a long time. To argue insanity. You're going jury nullification. I don't know what I'm doing yet. You don't know what you're doing, and you're asking for an immediate trial. Do I look like an idiot? Do I? I will hammer that jury with the strongest instruction I have ever crafted. Know that. I've got a job to do, Your Honor. As do I. You'd better come He's up very with cavalier. Else. Very cavalier. I will not let you argue very. to the jury that they ignore the law. I'll just be going not guilty on the elements, Your Honor. That's it. Right. Now, what what we missed here, because there was a teaser and you missed it, is the concept of jury nullification, uh, which is, uh, which is, I think, an important... Their argument here is jury nullification, which means the jury just says, eh, fuck it to the law. Uh, like there's no justification whatsoever on it. I just don't like, I just don't want to convict the guy and thus jury nullification, which is a legitimate thing of jury can just do whatever they want, but he's not, you're not legally allowed to argue jury nullification. So the lawyer can't go and say just like, eh, just, you know, just, he's a nice guy. Don't convict him. That's not allowed. It's so their their plan here is to sort of talk around it and convince the jury to nullify the verdict. So interestingly, Keith, uh, we'll get into the details of the case one day. But the case that I was Jerry Foreman on was pretty open and shut. In that we, on our first round of deliberation, uh, all but one of the jurors uh, were had agreed on our decision. But there was this one lady who was being really obstinate and. Being the jury foreman, I really tried to be be cool, and all I said was, "All right, well, we've presented why we think. Here's what we think, and we present. I'll present three reasons why I think that. Would you like to refute any of our reasonings, or would you like to present any reasons why you think he is not guilty?" And mm-hmm. do you know what her answer was? Talk about this is like uber jury, jury nullification. She says, "I just think you're smug." Me. Well, to be fair. You are smug. <laughs> I can point to three. Uh, <laughs> here's three specific reasons why I think that's true. Right, but that that really doesn't have any bearing on the decision. You know what I mean? So uh, no, that poor I, guy, no. or that you know, could have this lady who ultimately got a payout because we we did find the guy guilty ultimately. Uh, it could be, you know that was thrown into jeopardy just because you know I'm a smug bastard. Interesting. Now, I, I, I say this knowing that anyone who's listened to this podcast knows I'm way smugger than, uh, than Dex. Yeah, there's but. a lot of smug. <laughs> Working late. Charles starts first up. I'm, I'm curious, Eugene. Why didn't you ask for a probable cause hearing? On this? Well, if nothing else, it would have been good for discovery. They only would have put up the cop, and there's no discovery with him. Uh, the whole case is the victim's eyewitness testimony. Then why didn't you try to get it kicked on constitutional grounds? You going to law school on the sly, Rebecca? 
You don't need to be a lawyer to know there's something wrong with an ID made while the suspect is wearing handcuffs. The suspect was made three times. Once before, once after the arrest. I hope he gets a little bit of a comeuppance in this episode. Okay. Oh, no spoilers. I guess I'm wrong then. Say what you have to say, Rebecca. Since you ask, this case is court appointed. You get paid the same, which isn't saying much no matter how much time you put in. Seems to me you could have brought probable cause or motions to suppress, but you're happy just to jump through the court-appointed required hoops. Done. That's all. First off, the guy did it. We all Almost know- all our clients did it. I thought you were done. Well, I had no idea you were going to say that. Second, a probable cause hearing or a constitutional challenge, they would have been so futile. Yeah, What's- but you could have preserved the grounds for appeal. Third, how I choose to defend a case... I like her attitude. Your- yeah, wait, firm you- business is my business. And if I see malpractice, it's my responsibility. Rebecca, you know nothing about the actual practice of law. And you seem to be overlooking the fact that I'm going to win. Winning rarely amounts to malpractice. I think that is a great scene. Yeah. Like, I I think it's really well written. I think there's, there's a couple little couplets there that... Uh, just add a sense of realism to the dialogue, like her coming back, like, I thought you were done, I didn't know you were gonna, like, that's, it just felt like real people talking, but also smart people having a realistic, in like, real conflict about an interesting topic that you don't necessarily see on television, and so, like, I, I think it's just a really strong scene well, from, uh, from a character standpoint as well, you and I have been kind of lamenting how sort of trivial they made Rebecca's character over the past few episodes, and finally, here she is as sort of the moral center, right? Saying, I'm observing you being a douchebag, basically. And yeah. even going as far as to say, you know, malpractice. And so, uh, yeah, maybe it's a little heavy-handed. Obviously, we're really, really foreshadowing him taking a fall here. But uh, <laughs> uh, I still think that it's it's in service of all the characters. Good thing for me. No, and it's, it's sort of like I like the idea of uh, Rebecca's character find you know like it, we're so early in the series like the characters yeah. are finding out who they are and the role they play on the show and i think it's a really smart change to to have her go from like the office busybody to like the office conscience i think that's a it's just a better character choice and it's a better use of of this actress and we're also going to screenshot this because she looks baller right there look at that leather jacket oh right oh you got money on it Wish I could pull off a leather jacket. I tried, man, but I got a little chubby and I can barely fit into it. I got it from China. It's very snug. <laughs> I have some suits from Korea that way. <laughs> Except I didn't get a little chubby. Yeah, I got a lot was. chubby. All that stuff you were saying earlier, who wouldn't pull the trigger? All that stuff? Yeah. Level with me, Jimmy. When you first heard Jerry Braun killed Ronald Martin, how'd you feel in your gut? My gut. In your gut. I said to myself, good for him. Yeah. I mean, I don't support it or nothing, but if I had a daughter and somebody killed her, I'd want him dead. Well, that was pretty, pretty matter of fact. Well, it's interesting because like this comes off like right after. Well, it's not right after. It's only, but I think it's only. It's two episodes. It, it's ten. Well, ten years after the Michael Dukakis debacle. Mm. Where in, uh, if you're not a uh, political nerd and remember the great moments from the 1988 <laughs> political debates <laughs> between Michael Dukakis and George H.W. Uh, Bush, uh, Dukakis was asked, he, he was, 
taking a stance against the death penalty. And that had, had always been uh, one of his platforms as a progressive and, and, you know, and I, I agree with him, but he, uh, he was asked a question. All right. So if your wife and daughter were raped and murdered, would you want the guy killed? And the mistake he made was keeping it in the abstract and saying, yeah, well, you know, you know, uh, the system, you know, you have to trust the system and work through this as opposed to what any, the, the right answer is I would murder that person with my bare hands and dance on their grave with glee. Right. But that's why you don't let the victims uh, administer the punishment. So, and he, and, and after that, he was really hobbled. He was ahead in the polls. And I think that sort of hobbled him in a lot of ways, um, along with the picture of him in a tank. Anyway, that is your, uh, 1988 politics revocable death update. penalty for the killer. Some debate moments are less about the substance. Well, I thought maybe we'd get to it, but effective ways to deal with violent crime. We've done so in my own state. And it's one of the reasons why we have, uh, had the biggest drop in crime of any industrial state in America, why we have the lowest murder rate of any industrial state in America. Yeah, just say fry him. Yeah. I do. Which is weird, but I, I sort of get why he made the mistake and why people thought right. it was a so mistake. what we need is... It's funny, people always say they want their politicians to be truthful, right? But in honesty, in, uh, in reality, it's all just stagecraft. Seriously. Well, campaigns, anyway some legal angle that allows them to go with how they feel. What do you mean, some legal angle that allows them to ignore the law? Yeah, yeah, you guys are really parsing it out for us. Yeah. A slow fade to oh, black. Slow fade off of his sexy stubble. Oh, maybe we got some good extra play here. Let's take it so long. Always a Judge good chance. Any second, so this is Eugene's case that he's made the bet again. on. Good. I sit up straight. Don't scowl no matter what the witness says. And the client looks very, uh... Yo, when do I get to testify? We'll cross that bridge when we're drowning. For now. All rise. Uh oh. Oh wait, wait, we have something very important to do. I know that lawyer from somewhere. We have to address Michelle Hurd, who Ooh. is the lawyer that Eugene made the uh made the bet with, who actually is a has done a whole bunch of stuff as I stall pulling up the her IMDB. She has been a series lead in a thousand different uh uh, different show. She was on uh, Blind Spot, okay. Lethal Weapon, yes. Ash vs. the Evil Dead, Daredevil, all of these, like a whole bunch of episodes. Uh, she did 43 episodes of The Glades. She was on the 90210 reboot and uh, ER and Gossip. She has done a ton and as was just added between when I first checked this Two days ago, to this, she's going to be a part of the Untitled Star Trek series, which is really exciting. Oh, Keith. Keith, you got a boner over there, buddy? Uh, you know I do. All right. Uh, Calm down. Keep so, it in there. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a surprise for you coming up later. <laughs> okay. But I'm going to I'm gonna save it. Uh, anyway, and she she's married to Garrett Dillahunt, the actor who you might know from... Uh, 
Raising Hope. He was in the Terminator TV show. He's done a million movies. He's a very, very good actor. All right. Well, she got her jump by uh, what I believe is going to be schooling Eugene into the ground. That's right. And uh, last piece of thing, she was also uh, Lacey in the Cagney and Lacey reboot that they tried to do. God bless. Was Tyne Daly's role. Interesting. That is interesting. Also interesting is that you just turned the phrase, last piece of thing. <laughs> last piece of thing, Dex. Good thing you got your onesie on, buddy. It's so cute over there. Oh, I've got two pieces. We got a defense. Moral justification. It's a duress theory, little used. Moral justification? Not an absolute defense. What did you say? But it can get murder <laughs> chopped down to manslaughter. Moral justification, case, you say. It's as good as an acquittal. What do you mean it's as good as an acquittal? The DA is only charging murder. <laughs> this is clumsy, man. This is pretty clumsy. He's not charging manslaughter in the alternative because he's... I, we gotta assume that, our, that our, our viewers are complete morons. We have to spell this out by the letter. Complete morons, you say. So you, we should spell it out, like, by by some sort of a, a lettering system? When you say by the letter. He's afraid if the jury has yeah. that option, they'll jump. Like A, B, and no, C, I, and, and so forth? Mm. If he gives the jury the choice between murder and manslaughter, he's figuring the jury will pick manslaughter, you being sympathetic. So he takes away that choice by not charging anything but murder one or murder two. He's going all or nothing. Which means if all you or nothing, you say. the jury, you're only guilty of manslaughter, you get a straight acquittal. Could they then come back and charge him with manslaughter? No, double oh, jeopardy gosh. applies to lesser included offenses. They have to charge manslaughter now or forever lose it. Good going, Jimmy. See, Good now job, Jimmy. Way to read that book, Jimmy. You were acting in the heat of passion. The passion was your sense of moral right. It's different from straight jury nullification. And we can argue that. Good going, Jimmy. You just said that. Good going, Jimmy. I was loading groceries in oh, my car. What do we got? Let's see. What do we got? What do we got in the, in the extras here? Oh, that man in the back is thinking very hard, but nothing out of the ordinary. Pretty subdued. No, they're all doing it. They're he all doing appeared. it. He being the defendant. He suddenly had a knife at my chest, demanding my watch and wallet. Stephen Seagal. He would kill me. And then yes. He uh, the knife to my groin. It is time to play the role of who's that? <laughs> I don't have a jingle for it, but who's that where witness? Did, oh, where did we witness that victim? Uh, and that is a guy named Mark Herlick, uh, the man with unacceptable hair, as uh, <laughs> Jillian would say. <laughs> she will frequently declare unacceptable hair. Uh, he has done many uh, things. He was he. If you remember Jurassic Park three, he was the stepdad who uh, was was killed in the first scene doing the uh, paragliding thing. Oh, I see. Oh, so he wasn't the bad guy in Karate Kid Three. Uh, I no, it's not. It's not him. It's not him. I'm aware of. But hold, I'm not done. I haven't made the Star Trek reference. I'm sorry, Steve Gillick. Ah, look, hold on. He was on Star Trek Voyager. He played a bad guy named Kashik. And uh, it's almost time for my new sound cue. Uh Oh no! Okay. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Yeah. This far, no father. <laughs> oh man, I really hope we don't get a cease and desist on that one. By who? My family made those sounds. Yeah, eat that, everyone else. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> those sounds were literally created by my uncle. So if I get a cease and desist from Uncle Jim, 
I have bigger problems. I hope we do. At least someone I means somebody listened to it. <laughs> yeah, some, somebody's like at a lawyer at Paramount is like, I'm going to listen to every podcast in history. Uh, is that it? Now can I, like can, this, we, can we roll the like show the now? Like the saddest guy like sitting in a dark room, like rocking and eating his own arm. Ooh, that's grisly. Then he lowered the knife to my groin. Says the chainsaw murderer. Oh, I didn't do the murder. Fan. Gave him my watch and wallet. Allegedly. And then what happened, sir? He just ran off. And this all happened about what time? Wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, here it comes. Ladies and gentlemen, is a man named Greg Almquist. You might know him from such things as this episode of The Practice. That's it? <laughs> and like two other things. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I haven't been on The Practice. How was the lighting in this area, Mr. Augusto? True enough. It was very good. There were lampposts uh, every four parking spaces, and five of the eight cars near to mine were white, which I'm sure added to the brightness. I got a perfect look at him. Wait a second. That's very specific. That's very specific. Now, Mr. Agosta, did you have an occasion they are to writing that down. see the defendant again? Mm. Yes, I did. Uh, the police responding to my call said that a man fitting the general description had been picked up about a mile away, and we drove to the area, and uh, Eugene's playing hangman. had uh, that man <laughs> in detention, and I identified him as the man who robbed me. Now, Mr. Agosta... Can you state with absolute certainty that this man sitting here at the defense table is the same man that you saw on two occasions on the night of February 12th and then again in the police lineup on February 13th? I'm absolutely certain, yes, that's the man. Mm. Thank you. Mm. I have nothing else. Also, I have terrible Please. hair. Yep. Absolutely, Truly that's the unacceptable man. hair. You're gonna sip that water. Yep. Oh, he's doing the Lindsay. And they cut right to Lindsay when, she, when he sipped water. Mr. Augusta. You seem to have a pretty good grasp of the detail. Well, I'm a photographer by trade, so, uh, yeah, I have a pretty good eye. I'd say outstanding. Uh, you not only remembered that five of the eight cars were white, you even identified the little trees the suspect hopped through when he ran away. Well, you know, like I say, I like have I a said, photographer's I'm a, eye. I'm a yes. photog. I'm a photographer. He mentions that as much as I mention I'm a writer for the same douchey reasons. Yeah, I noticed you put that in the show notes. You put Keith Varney (laughs) writer. (laughs) Wait, did I? Yeah, you did. Where? In one of the in last week's show notes. That might have been. I didn't put my. You did. You put Keith Varney writer. I press because it's my email. I'm probably just oh, getting maybe. It. Wait, wait, that's not that's not <laughs> like on, on public anywhere. That's just an our internal notes, right? No, 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 it's public. I'll show you. Lamp posts, the color of the surrounding oh, cars, the exact time. <laughs> I was re-edited and but said Mike Indiglio, comedian. Wait, I gotta fix that. Your client, <laughs> Mr. Augustus, were you a little scared? This knife all of a sudden being put to your chest. <laughs> I was scared, yeah, but. If you're asking, did it compromise my powers of observation, I would honestly say no. You were looking at the knife, weren't you? I was looking at both the man and the knife. Uh, Well, for the knife, you remembered stainless steel, serrated, wooden handle. Hey, keep drinking that water. For the man, black, big head. Look, I'm not going to say that I wasn't frightened. Would you say you were very frightened? Very frightened. Oh, there's one of your. Oh. You love one of those cuts, Keith. I do. Laughing and talking on the phone. She's really put some makeup on her. Rebecca, today yeah. he sees me.
Dear Camera Mayhem, wherever you are, at this day, back in the 97s, you look, well, I'm sure you look beautiful now, but you look really beautiful. You look really good for this date, Cameron. Very good. I, I did. I do not see where I put my name anywhere. Oh, I'll, maybe I. Maybe it's. Maybe I saw. I think you're. I think you're inventing it. That's, I've. I've been known to do so. Very beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I'm just nervous about the whole, you know, eyes of the beholder thing. Moral justification for a homicide. It's different than jury nullification. It's not different. He's going to be arguing to the jury. Look, that I don't they have to be drawing the... you a roadmap, Your Honor. The only reason I'm bringing this to your attention now is so we don't waste time going back to chambers once the trial starts. I'm arguing heat of passion. The passion can be driven by a man's moral state of mind. That's ridiculous. Fine. You make your arguments, I'll make mine. So is this why the rabbi is on the witness list? Is he going to be testifying? This the guy, guy has on the worst side? Boston accent ever. <laughs> Mr. Welk, I seriously suggest that you charge manslaughter in the alternative. Not a chance. You don't make murder too. He walks free. They're flaunting this. He planned this crime. He went home. They're flaunting this. With his rabbi first. This wasn't heat of passion. Oh, yeah. This was cold, calculated execution. Then his people go on Steve. television and exalt it. This is murder in the first degree all the way. The jury might reject that. We're not offering manslaughter. This is exciting. You got it, you dummy. Okay. What a Somebody's going to be real disappointed. Are you still ready to try this next week? Ready. 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 Damn. <laughs> Mr. Augusta, when the police told you they okay, might have Okay, he's guy, thirsty. This man is dehydrated. The ...to identify the person they had. Truthfully, you wanted it to be the man who robbed you, didn't you? Of course I did. I wanted him off the street, and I wanted my watch and wallet back. Oh, that's right. Do you know whether they found your wallet and watch in the possession of my client? I'm told they didn't. What about the stainless steel serrated knife with the wooden handle? That turn up? I, I'm told it did not. When you pulled up to the scene, where did you see my client? He was standing between two uniformed police officers about 20 feet away. He was handcuffed? Yes. And you said, uh, that's the man, that's the man who robbed me right off. No. Oh, no, I got out of the car and took a close look first. You uh -huh. didn't identify him from the car? Nope. So as you looked at him from the car, standing 20 feet away, he didn't look familiar? Well, uh, it looked like it might be him. How so, sir? Well. <laughs> Say it. Size and build-wise. Okay, hold on. Pause it right there. Pa pause it on. Uh, pause it on mullet. On mullet Magoo there. Why is there a helium tank <laughs> behind him? <laughs> what? Why is there a giant <laughs> tank of helium? Tank of helium or gas of some sort? Well, I I can't answer that question. It it's it looks really strange. It's. Like that, if you shoot that thing, you can kill Jaws. What is that there for? What is it? I I wonder if it's an old-timey fire extinguisher. It's huge! Oh, it's enormous. Oh, man, I'm going to screenshot that. Size and build-wise, it could have been him. Size and build? Ten minutes earlier, you couldn't give the officers a size and build description. Well, look, I was still in shock a little bit. I just said Still in shock? Oh, you were in shock. You mean your shock. powers of observation might have been affected a little? Objection. He's badgering the witness. Overruled. As you saw this man standing 20 feet away, what about him made you think, this is the man who robbed you? Sir? Man. I don't know. I just remember They're thinking never on, that 
It might no. be him, and so that's why I got out of the car to take a closer look, and when I saw him up close, I knew it was him. I knew it. I but you knew couldn't it. recognize him from 20 feet away. That's right. I said that. Asked and answered. You couldn't identify my client from 20 feet away. Yeah, Asked that's right. Asked and answered. But yet, the next day in a police lineup, standing 20 feet away, you did recognize him. How is that possible? Objection. Uh, well, it's possible because sometimes you forget something, and then you see the person or the thing, and then you remember. E yes, but I think Eugene, uh, we'll, we'll let him finish the Over point, but I think he makes a good point. 20 feet away the night before, you can't tell. 20 feet away the following morning, you pick him out in an instant. After I saw him the second time, there were other characteristics that registered um, build, stance, posture. Ah, stance. So important. the next day, when you picked my client out of a lineup, you were going off the things you saw when he was in police custody. Well, yes. Uh, not the things you remembered in the grocery store parking lot. Well, uh, by the way, would you call that a big hit? Well, it seems smaller today. But you told the police <laughs> you were absolutely certain the suspect had a big head. Maybe I was wrong about that. Or maybe you were right. A photographer by trade. See, here's what I love is like detail, they had to put out the breakdown to get that cast. Man, small head. Yeah. Not because like the plot point wouldn't work if he had a big head or regular head, just nothing that could be considered large head. Right, and I I say this as a big headed American. Uh, my head is so big. Uh, I went to I was at the uh, the Bruins game. How big uh, is it, year. Keith? It's so big that I was at the arena. I was at TD Garden, and I went to five different stores, and they could not find a hat big enough for, to put on my head. What size? And I'm at the flagship. Like place. What size fitted hat do you wear? I don't know. I don't wear fitted hats. No. Oh, well, then this point is I, lost on you. <laughs> it was somebody with a big, I have a big head. It was him. <laughs> I love how I wield the power of just starting the episode and cutting your point <laughs> off entirely. You were wrong about the big you head. Really I said do. I was. How could you be wrong about something so general? As that? Yeah, but I can I start know, cricket. Yeah, you're I right. As I said before, I was in some shock. Oh yes. You were in some shock. Yeah, punch him? Jesus. See, it is not congruent how much water he's been drinking and how much water is left in the cup. You know what I love is my Pavlovian response. Every time he drinks, I drink. I know, I'm so thirsty. Uh, oh, look at this water right here. What's oh, up? so nice. What's up is I gotta know something. Uh-oh. What? When Gerald Braun came to you, when he left your office. Look at how much neater the office is. Did yeah, you know spare tires gone. What he was about to do. Number two pancake has been done a really good job yeah. cleaning this office. Danny. No clothing in there. No. Did you know? Of course I didn't know. I knew he was talking to the rabbi. I never thought he would actually. Of course I didn't know. Then why didn't you stay with him? You knew he needed you. I got other stuff. To, I can't just hang out with him all the time. Exactly what's the accusation here? Danny, help me out here a little, please. Don't you think you gave him the moral empowerment? Don't you, don't you think you gave him the righteousness he needed to see it through? Let's not kid ourselves. Ronald Martin is dead in large part because of you. I'll ask again. 
Things you don't want to hear your defense attorney saying to you. <laughs> That's true. What's the accusation? I am walking uphill into a murder trial that'll be very difficult to win. I need to know exactly what I'm dealing with. Long pause. So much swallowing. Friend to friend. I don't grieve for Ronald Martin. I never thought Jerry was about to go off and actually kill him. Like, why did he need to do friend to friend with that? Because that was the thing that's exculpatory. The suspect, we detained him until the victim arrived, making a positive. Wait, who's that witness? That cop is played by Pat Skipper, who you might know, but he played Scully's brother on the X Files. Oh, look at that. Which I I thought you would find interesting. You were an X Files person, right? Yeah, I do find that interesting. I do not recall him, but that mullet, I bet he doesn't recall that. I don't know. Thank you, officer. You ever have a mullet, Keith? No further questions. Absolutely. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I bet you. Oh, a uh, child of the '80s who lived on a dirt road? Are you kidding? I walked to your 12, twelve miles to you school. Twelve miles up. Yeah, but here's the best part, person. though. Do you think after the uh, after the mullet? What? How? How do you? What do you think the best way to transition out of a mullet is? Oh, the full-on buzz cut. No, no. Think of the opportunity you have. On the flat top. You got party in the back, right? And you're taking off the party in the back. But what could you possibly do if you're taking off the party in the back? Rat tail, or you could go mohawk. You could rat tail. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> God, if you don't let the people see this, Keith, it's just an utter travesty. For a black man in South Boston to be nervous. I don't think my parents would ever photograph it. And illuminating. It's him. so funny. It was it's my niece's birthday coming up and. We're going through thousands and thousands of pictures to, to like post for the thing for the party. Yeah, and you know how many pictures exist from like our childhood? Like eight. Yeah, like four. Yeah, yeah. you go through <laughs> these albums like, oh, here are the thirteen pictures of me growing up. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like a deer caught in their headlights. I don't think he had any reason to be nervous if he were innocent. Silly me. The general description you were talking about that would be black. Big head? Yes. Did you or your partner <laughs> approximate the circumference of my client's cranium? We detained Interesting, him. that was Keith's nickname in high school, Black Big Head. Him because he was black <laughs> in the area of the crime, acting suspiciously. Acting suspiciously before you let him up? No. After. Thank you. That's all. The prosecution rests, Your Honor. Thank you, Officer Guthrie. You can step down. Mr. Young, we can break, or you can call your first witness. We rest, Your Honor. Oh. Concluding arguments at three. We'll adjourn until then. What's going on? Trust me. Should get up there and say I didn't do it? You take the stand, your prayers can be put in evidence. This way it stays out. Yeah, I know, but if I say nothing, well, how's that going to look? What are you going to say, Stephen? That you were just out taking a moonlight stroll on the streets of South Boston. Nature Walk, you got three felony priors. How would that look? They didn't make their case. That's our defense. Come on. Which, in Eugene's defense at this point, he's he's entirely right. Absolutely. All right, Cameron, I love you, girl, but we got it. You're nervous. Oh, he's good looking. Who is Wait Cameron's boyfriend? That's not Cameron's boyfriend. 
Oh, fake out. Oh boy. So a bald man has walked in with glasses. She's disappointed. She's super disappointed. I hope it. Oh. George? Eleanor? Hi. Hi. Kindly. What a pleasure and what a relief to be getting this part over with. Absolutely. Okay, it's time to say who Eleanor's boyfriend is. Who is Eleanor's boyfriend? He is Michael Monks, uh, who is, it's very interesting. If you go onto his IMDb page, he looks nothing like the guy on the show right now, but he's, uh, still working, has done a whole, he's 119 credits. He's done a whole bunch of, uh, various things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) this is an awesome episode. (laughs) He's done a whole variety of things. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we got to sample that and put it into one of these because that is hysterical. Oh, boy. And you know what? We're going to leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> oh, sit. Please, sit. That's the type of in-depth, titillating reporting you're going to get. That's why you're spending two hours of your life listening to this. Taught to conceal the facts. And just as funny in person. Well, is that I'm a prosthetic sure. nose, or does that look like I'm his real so nose? I'm so nervous about meeting you. That's his real nose. <laughs> Jimmy, come on. I spoke with Sackman and Kent, the jury consultants. They gave me a list of questions we should be looking to get yes answers to. Good. I'm going to go back in and try to kick venue to Charlestown. Why? People grow up with an eye for an eye code in Charlestown. Oh, it's good here. We're gonna. I'm going to screenshot this. It's good to know when you're. Lawyer has the criminal procedure, at, uh, volume one, just on his desk next to a little like, what looks like a bongo. It, yeah, I think the bongos <laughs> are the more interesting because, <laughs> like, actually, I imagine, like, I imagine they would reference that a fair amount. Like, you'd see, like, my therapist is always referencing the DSM. Yeah. Okay. But she is she <laughs> but also playing the Mexican have, bongos. Does, does not have bongos of any ethnicity. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. I'm part Mexican. I can say they're Mexican. Most town. All kind of folks. <laughs> I, 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 no, I, I, and there's a duck Listen. behind Jimmy as well. But I, I just well, want to know what makes bongos Mexican. Bobby. Like how, how, how would you specifically Mexicanize your bongos? Objection. <laughs> I feel a good connection to the bronc case. I kind of bongos and a plan. duck. What's going on with the bongos and a duck? I don't know. The set dresser is like leaving little Easter eggs. He's like, Jimmy, one day a podcast will be made. It's a jury trial. <laughs> I was losing with jury trials because I sweat. And sweat on the forehead makes you come off distrustful. But I've corrected the problem. You saw me on TV. I didn't sweat. On the hot lights, even. Not a bead. You didn't sweat, but you did ruin everything. So A little bit, yeah. yeah. Jimmy, uh, I don't know. I'm right for this one. You gave the tobacco case to Lindsay, even though she'd never done a jury trial. You had a feeling, and you went with it. Yeah. I did have you embezzle money, so... All right. Yeah, the first thing we saw you do was break the law and do it in the dumbest way possible. Yeah, you're really not... But he did clean the office, so okay. Well, throw you a bone. He did... 
he he in drag persona as number two pancake is a wonderful maid. Uh, from now on, we're just gonna, he's, he likes to go by NTP from now on. Well, I don't have that feeling here. Shit. Okay. Where's that sick burn sound effect? I want right? you a second chair. You're important to this case, definitely. You're okay. you're the fantastic sure. bongo player. Yes. Okay, let me know what you need. I will. Double tap. Double tap. Three taps. It was him. Huh? It was him. It was him. It was him. Now, how many times did we hear Mr. Augustus say this? This is back in now, Eugene's he was case. Nose to nose. The lighting was clear. And he told us in this courtroom that extra that is that thinking. Did you see that, Keith? Because he was scratching his chin. Stuck a knife to him, mm, mm. threatened to kill him, and then robbed him. Now the uh, defense counsel did a lovely job of trying to confuse the witness, rattle him, see how much water he could make him drink. But he could not shake him on the one and only issue in question here. Who did it? Did it. He did. He did. He did. No, he didn't. Ooh, snap. But that's what we all want to believe. Let's be honest, because if it's him, we can be relieved that the bad guy's off the street. We can feel safe. And that's what Mr. Augusta wanted to believe as he was driven to see the man in police custody. Let it be him. Let it be him. Damn it, it must be him. And when he saw Stephen Fennell there with handcuffs on, it became just a little bit easier to conclude it was him. Now, I do want to go in and object myself because I thought this was a really, really... Remember I... I made a lot of assumptions that this is going to be an open and slam shut thing just to knock Eugene down a couple pegs. But I have to say, of all the cases thus far, this has been the most nuanced and I think is bringing the biggest point home to me. Yeah, well, as, as, as we move forward with the show, like the, the cases get more interesting and, the, and the, the points become a little more nuanced. Didn't it? We're going to learn a whole variety of things, aren't we? Already know. Yeah. A man puts a knife to this person and as he says in his testimony he went into shock and no you don't expect nuance from a show that just two episodes ago murdered a man with a toy arrow <laughs> nothing really <laughs> registers just black big hair what's happening in the back there yeah i was wondering when you're going to notice that it's i believe <laughs> there's an old lady sucking oxygen like, she looks like she's making out with an upside down lamp <laughs> but i <laughs> i believe what it actually is is she's uh She's reading into evidence. She's I think she's setting up for the transcript. Oh. So I believe she's she, it ha it goes over her mouth so we don't hear uh so we don't hear her repeating everything. She's I doing dictation. It's a dictation machine. Uh, dictation. I and believe Mr. that's Augusta what that is. Gathers himself. He settles. And while waiting for the police to show up, he takes stock of the lampposts, the white cars, the fern trees. That's why he remembers that stuff. He processed it in a relative state of calm. But in the heat of the crisis, black, big head, that's all. And if you're to believe that description, you must acquit. Because Stephen Fernal doesn't have a big head. My head's bigger than his, so's your honors. No offense. Just proceed, counsel. The reason the law demands a police lineup, ladies and gentlemen, is because it is an accepted truth that when a victim identifies a lone suspect 
in police custody, he is more likely to automatically conclude it's the guy. As a matter of law, those identifications are deemed unreliable, untrustworthy, tainted. That's why the police had to bring Mr. Augusta back the next day for him to pick a suspect out of a lineup, because the ID he made the night before was unreliable, untrustworthy, tainted. Now, you might say, he did pick Stephen Fernald out of a lineup. Of course. I love that they give but you the full closes. he wasn't identifying the guy who put the knife to his Yeah. Brain. He was recognizing That's the my favorite part. in police custody. But the man in custody, this man, is not the man with the knife, not the big-headed man. This man is only who Mr. Augusta wants to believe as the bad guy. And he admits his confusion. Big head, then no big head. It's a normal-sized head now. Imagine that. So all we're left with is black. Stephen Fernald sits here black. Just black. Well, this no could be Boom. this could be today. No wallet, so no watch. <laughs> right? There's no physical evidence. Just an eyewitness who in shock said that he could only give a general description, half of which, the big head part, he retracted. Do I really have to stand here and argue? There's some reasonable doubt. Boom. This was great. Yeah, so she did that's not a really know. awesome close. And, it, it, and I think really brings up oh, some no. very important parts, you know, points about, you know, identifying suspects while in police custody. Because, I, I you know, I, I, I don't really know what the legality is of that these days, but I have to imagine that it probably still happens all the time, but it really shouldn't. You should never identify a suspect in the back of a police car or in the back of or handcuffed or whatever. And which I understand, like in a situation like it just happened, like, hey, is that the guy who hit you? You're like, yeah, like, I get it. But that's really tough in a, in a case like I this. I would argue, though, that the point, at least from a, uh artistic standpoint, is undercut by the slow cut to Eleanor's raspberry face because... All right, well, now we're back into her date. Yeah, you should get a screenshot of her face because she's making the face that Something I'm feeling I, uh, about how we're doing on the podcast today. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, actually, um, excuse me. I'm uh, going to go to the club. The bar is on fire for some reason. Yeah, yeah. What about tonight? Did we decide dinner or a movie? Lots of stuff. I meant to bring the listings, but I forgot. You know, George, I'm going to need to take a rain check on that. I'm sorry. Oh. Wow, what a bee she's being. Well, okay. Right? 10b5 means I'm blowing you off, Baldu. Wow, good one, Keith. You finally got one back. trying to jam us. I think he wants to try and force a settlement. Zing. I have to be in federal court first thing in the morning. Sure. Well, maybe Friday or Saturday night. I would love to, really. I would. I just, I have some house guests coming, so otherwise, it'd be great. Listen, why don't I call you tomorrow? I can get my calendar out, and I think I'm really bald next week. I'm, uh... Out of town next week. Okay, um... Oh, he knows but, uh, it. Like, they're blowing so much smoke. It's fine. Yeah, that's like a like, full-on hazer. It's not somebody, like, exhaling. That's like a full-on, like, smoke machine. <laughs> I just got this fax from the clerk's office. A notice of appearance of a new DA in the Bruin trial. Asher Silverman? What, you noticed that? Asher Silverman is a legend. He has never lost a murder trial. So this will be a first, then? He's also an orthodox rabbi. 
Well, what are they up to? This must be a response to our moral duress strategy. He's a DA and a rabbi? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe this makes him more compassionate. He could be willing to deal. I don't know how he is as a rabbi, but as a DA, this guy is ruthless. They're not bringing him in here to make a deal, that's for sure. This is obviously to offset any argument we make on Jewish law. Uh-huh. Which is why I gotta know. We're on solid Because they're, they're trying to argue moral ju justification. Uh, good. I need you. You're third sharing the Braun case, and we need some... I'm really sorry, Bobby. I just can't do that. Why? Wait, what? I'm just not comfortable working on this case. Please don't ask me to participate. Eleanor does not want to work on the case. I'd really ask that you Obviously. respect me on this. Okay. Forgive me. Could I be so intrusive as to ask why? You wore your yarmulke on that television program. When a rabbi speaks as a rabbi, he represents Judaism. Damn. You represented it as vengeful. And as a Jewish person, I was offended. I think it's I a valid point. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, it's their job to vigorously defend the their client, but I can understand that as that tactic. I don't know why you didn't tell my side of the story. Well, you told me you were out for an innocent walk. That's all I needed to know. Yeah, you didn't ask no hard questions. It's almost like you didn't want to know. Well, defense lawyers got to play by certain rules. And one of them is, I'm stuck with whatever you tell me. And I can't argue something I know to be a lie. So sometimes the less I know, the more free I can be with our defense. Now, you follow any of that? Yeah. All okay. Here we go. Eugene continues to be condescending to everyone. Whoa. He, look at that smug face when he sat down. 36 bucks. I can tell time. <coughs> oh, I gave you what now I have. I'm, now I'm coughing. I saw the smoke from the bar. <laughs> Will the defendant please rise? That's why we're here, Judge. Members of the jury, have you reached your verdict? We have. On the matter of Commonwealth versus Stephen Fernald on the charge of first degree oh, oh. armed robbery, we find the defendant not guilty. <laughs> All right, Stephen, you're a free bird. Eat right and exercise. Thanks. The defendant will see probation, then he will be released forthwith. Adjourn. Did it right in the court in front of the Small judge. Only. Mm -hmm. Buy yourself a new tie. Oh, uh, Mr. Young. Free no matter what now, right? Correct. So uh, no matter what they say, you can't retry me or nothing. Also correct, double jeopardy. But I wouldn't be holding any press conferences. Nah, man. I only want to say this to you. I didn't do it. Man, I didn't stick that guy up. I was just out taking a walk. So, uh, thanks for believing in me. What do you say? Yeah, so I think that's a, I, I really like that beat. I like that, you know, like we, we've reached the moral of the story for Eugene here. And, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a good beat. I think it's I think it's a really good way for the show to address Eugene's sort of like cockiness, you know, while still preserving he, their win streak. 
Yeah, I mean, like it's very clear that Eugene is an incredible litigator, right? But he's he's pretty cocky and has some sort of ethical there, and I think that's an important thing for important thing for him there. But of course, she heard every word that guy said to him, and she's like, "What did he say?" Standing right <laughs> like three inches from them. Standing four three by inches three. from him, you say? <laughs> Change venue to where? Uh, Charlestown, Your Honor. You could still keep jurisdiction if you want. Well, you think there might be less media attention in Charlestown? Could it be possible that you want a Charlestown jury counsel? I'm just looking for a fair trial, Your Honor. <laughs> yes, or you might be looking for a jury to come back and pronounce your client mayor. <laughs> Motion to change venue is denied. Gerald Brown will stand trial here. I postponed it, that's all. So now what happens? You know, the usual. Well, uh, you know, I'll wow. call him at home during the day when I know he's at work. I'll leave him a few polite messages on his machine. He'll eventually get the message, and then, I don't know, I'll meet up with him sometime around never. Got it all figured out, huh? Oh, yeah. I know how it works. Trust me on this now Eleanor. I don't want to. In- I hate to interrupt this scene, but like, what no is up with Rebecca's necklace? Right? Like, I, I don't know right? if it's like a like a specific cultural necklace or a fashion thing, but it looks like a Horcrux. I think she's carrying a piece of Voldemort. I didn't see it. I know that Cameron's shirt's not fitting well there, but when I let it roll, Horcrux. Let's see. Hold on, just. It really wasn't worth going that far back. Yeah, but sorry, like, sorry, everyone. Write messages on his machine. <laughs> He'll eventually get the message, and then it's really important to apologize to your audience. We're going to need a new segment at the end. We're going to need a segment at the end of who, who ruined the episode most. I think you get you get you get to win this week. I definitely was last week, but yeah. I think oh, Pro Tools you're wins. Absolute, uh, you're absolutely right. That is right. She's carrying a piece of Voldemort. I swear. I cap that too. That, Eleanor. That's like she looks like she's. Auditioning for The Nun. That's a scary movie. All right. Yes, she did. You had no right to do that. Right? I need a right? For the kind of treatment you expect from other no, it people. It just wasn't there, Rebecca. The chemistry has got nothing to do with rights. But you rejected him because of his looks. Yeah, and? And... And you can live with that. Can I live with it? Yeah. I've been living with it my entire adulthood. I'll survive, and I'm sure so will George. Rebecca loves to stick her face right near his business. Playing that stupid game? I mean, come on. Let me explain something to you, Rebecca. You're grateful for the game. You appreciate some excuse like house guests or... There's just too much work piling up. It's a lot easier to take than the truth. And it's a lot easier to believe. Uh. And as for my right, if I have ever earned an entitlement to anything, Wow, now, we were riveted there, buddy. Yeah, well, I, I, I think it's a it's a really interesting B 
beat there. Uh, I think it's a it's a really interesting monologue. It's a it's it's an honest moment there, and it's not a story that you hear told very much. And I think you know Cameron Manheim does a tremendous job uh, acting it. You know, my only objection to it is I wish that this were a season, not a season one storyline, because at this point, like three quarters of what we know about Eleanor's character right now is based on her not being conventionally attractive. Right. And, and I, I think it does a disservice to the character and a disservice to Cameron Mannheim. I, I, not not the the storyline itself, but just that like this is all we're really gonna know about her for an, for the first season of the show, and you, so you wouldn't describe her as like oh she's the badass she's the one who's you know really aggressive in the client it's like oh she's that one and I and I just feel like that's it doesn't serve her character as well as yeah. it could so but that, it's season two that's fair I, and we should mention uh, I don't know if I mentioned earlier Keith's. Uh... Keith's rig exploded, so he's kind of patching in from a satellite. So, um, did I say that already? Yeah. Okay. You just sound like shit, so I want people to know why. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ooh. We now next week you are going to make me an expert <laughs> on the town. Hey, how'd lunch go? Oh, fine. Good. Jesus, hey. Jimmy. Where were you? Venue motion. I mean, passive aggression is not gonna. Without me. A minute, please. Now. I want and need your help on this case, but make no mistake: you are not a good trial attorney. Sick. Sorry to burn. This is a homicide (laughs) case. I mean, he's not wrong. Is selfish and. is it illegal for us to just sample totally the finish it from uh Oh, we're playing an entire episode of Network <laughs> Television. <laughs> You're worried about a cut from Oh, that's video. hysterical. You're absolutely that right. Primarily <laughs> <laughs> the entire premise of the show. <laughs> we have to meet with our client. Oh, I made a late surge, a late surge who ruined the episode. Oh. More lightning for reasons I don't understand. Sound that was like I'm getting into this episode. Eugene's drinking. Here comes Rebecca. Moral center. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Yeah, I'm buying. Came into some cash. Another one? Yeah, hi. Usually when you win, you come back with a strut. (laughs) My client did not commit the crime with which he was charged. And it never even dawned on me that he was anything but guilty. Well, they almost always are guilty. That's not the point. The point is the one you were trying to make. See, now this I like. I'm convicting them before they even get to the judge. And I'm the defense lawyer. Yeah. Well, you got an acquittal. 
Yeah. Probably why I feel so good. <laughs> and see, I like that as like a as a beat to see Eugene grow it and change it. Am I the only one that's and I think that's a strong moment for the show. Ronald Martin commits a murder, they assign a junior varsity DA. For me, they bring in the heavyweight. Pam Borg is not junior varsity. But they're pushing harder on this than they did on Ronald Martin. That's because you went on TV, Danny, and you embarrassed him. They're making an example here because of you. I was trying to protect him. Well, you didn't protect him. If you hadn't shot no. his big mouth, we'd be getting manslaughter right now. It's still not too late to switch to insanity. No. It's not too late to hire a new lawyer, either. That was the sanest moment of my life. I'll get right on that stand and say so. Say it like that and wave bye-bye to your wife and world. Who the hell side are you on? Listen like, to me, both of you. The whole world He just thinks he's going to tell the jury I murdered Publishers him and I feel good about it. Gonna tell get your story. Well, I, you know, at, at this point, I'm not sure he has an end game. I think he's trying to be honest. About is what 12 people in a box are going to think. This DA isn't good. He is great. He has never lost a murder trial. And if he can convince those jurors to ignore the cheering and the sympathy and concentrate on the law like they should be doing, you both go away. Because you committed premeditated murder and you were an accessory. I'm on your side, but I am telling you. More thunder. are in trouble. And boom, we finished the episode building to the next wow. with a thunderclap setting up how exciting the next episode is going to be and uh what what you're looking at degs is a <laughs> screenshot <laughs> so during the the final climactic moment there uh <laughs> your camera <laughs> tilted down and i was just staring at your <laughs> Oh my god, you cut out, but I think what Keith was saying is that you, he was staring at my dick for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> oh man, wow, that's embarrassing. Yeah, something, uh. something like that. We are just like finishing on the highest possible note right now. You're really killing it. Well, and, there uh, it was, the penultimate episode, part five. We, a lot of, wow, looks like we've only really left ourselves one place to go and to see how this murder trial out yeah well we definitely yeah we've got some big stuff and you know you know what the really big stuff is you know what it's time for i'm i think i'm ready for some opera hit it most valuable lawyer so uh who do you think is the most valuable lawyer in this episode part five well we only really saw one case to completion. You know, it's. I'd love to be a dark horse and maybe throw one kind of Rebecca's way, but it seems she's not a lawyer. She's um, not a lawyer. She has, so she, she cannot be the... She She was the most, the most valuable moral lawyer. Yes, for sure. Um, uh, and uh, although she sort of vacillated between being like this incredible great foundation of morality and being a nosy person. <laughs> um, I think Eugene. I think Eugene has to get it. I think he... Even though his, you know, his his motivations are are sullied, he really he was able to pick that that really solid witness apart and get his and get his uh, client not just uh, lead to a lesser charge but acquitted entirely. Yeah, well, and I I think that's I think that's really true. And I mean, I I think the 
most valuable lawyer should be uh, from the standpoint of the client. So who was most valuable to their client? And while their client, he wasn't, he did get him off, which was his job. So I agree. Eugene, you are the most valuable lawyer for season one, episode five. Congratulations on your fictional award. And you know what that means? I do. It's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show So, who's who's your best actor, Dex? Wow. I don't know, man. I mean, I gotta say, uh, Cameron Mannheim really brought it home a little bit at the end there with that that whole uh, monologue about having the right. Yeah. And it's hard because that's you know it's when you fight strong in the last rounds you can kind of steal it. There was some great work being done across the board. Yeah. Thought everybody had some great moments, but he was also a little hammy earlier. So, but I gotta say that scene stole it for me. I'm gonna give my uh, best actor of the show to. Uh, Cameron Mayhem, Mayheim for this Mannheim. Mannheim. Mayheim. Mayhem. This episode Mayhem. has been Mayhem. Uh, Cameron. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you know, and I, I have to say, I, I hate to be unanimous in both the uh, wow. actor and most valuable lawyer, but I, I totally agree. I think this was, uh, you know, while I don't like the placement of the storyline, I think Cameron and Mannheim just really tore it up in that in that moment showed so much like vulnerability um, as well as strength and, you know, sort of turned the tables on that whole situation and uh, gave a really strong performance. You know, Keith, on social media, when we post every week, we should probably post uh, a screen cap of that person and who wins each week so that maybe we can get some traction with that. You ever think of that? Oh, that's a, that's a good idea for, you know, it's really, I think it's really important that we add a little bit more work for ourselves. (laughs) Even though we swore that was the one rule. But one rule where no one cares. Yeah, you're right. All right. So maybe... any... but, no, no, I, I, I still think we should do it. I'm just, I'm just pointing out our own hypocrisy. Uh, now, how so... many stuck? How many tires stuck in the mud are we going to rate this? Hold, hold on, hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. So uh, interesting because we we came off uh, what was. The, the best episode in spare tires uh, for both of us. Yeah, what did we say? Eight uh, something? Uh, you said eight. I said eight and a half. I don't know why I remember that because Lord knows I didn't listen to the episode. Uh, so so t- tell us, what what did you feel about It was good. It wasn't great. Well, well put. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go back to a seven, a solid seven. Yeah, I think that's I I think that's fair. I mean, I it's interesting already within this series, the the my grade my grading chart is has been shifted a little bit. I I think it's it's already finding its footing. Yep. Um. And and I I, I noticed that I wrote fewer notes in this episode because I actually do homework, unlike you. Right. Right. Uh. And I think that was a sign of. It working, it just clicking better. The, the scenes in this episode were a little longer. They had a little 
air, a little more oxygen, and allow the characters and the ideas to breathe a little bit more. It, I think the scene where they were uh, explaining things to the audience was a little hackney, but there was a, a lot here that just felt like just really good, meaty scenes of television. Um, and so I, I, I think in that way, it was really solid. Not as good as last episode. So I'm oh, going nice. to say seven and a half episodes okay. tires for this episode 7.25 um, average 7.25 average which is which is pretty good i think yeah. it's an above average episode we'll see um so uh gosh you know what i think that's it i think we have done all the things for this episode we pulled it in under two hours oh my god nobody notices but it's great it uh is great. it's great for me even though we i have a heck of an edit to that's also against the rules, but I'm going to do it. Ah, oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> we don't need, like, 20 minutes of me fighting Pro Tools. It's no. not, like, riveting. Uh... But, Keith, so, let, let's uh, let's roll that. Um... Oh, I guess that's going to be loud, too, because you have to theme song it over your thing. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, lower that. Yeah, that, okay. Yeah, oh, that feels good. So, uh, if you wanted to uh, email us and complain about the nonsense, we just... Put into your ear holes. You would do that at out of practice podcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out our extra extra blog, you can do that at, at uh, out of podcast.blogspot.com. Out of practice podcast. Out of podcast? Out of practice podcast. <laughs> you know what? This is the damn thing. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. Next week, we're going to bring you the big end of season one finale. We've got all kinds of surprises for you. And the surprise is season one is only six episodes, but we will celebrate it as if we got through all 22. We will. It's still six plus hours of our lives. Even more that we had to record the pilot four times. (laughs) Yeah, but you'd think that after the pilot and having to re-record it, we're like, okay, we figured it out. No, no, episode five. We still fucked it up pretty severely. Yeah, we, well, you did. <laughs> stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned. We'll talk to you next week and listen to those laser sounds. Laser sounds. What is Wisdom of One? Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero, Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. (laughs) This podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of One. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20.